this series called Healthy Church. And uh, Pastor Ted's been teaching the last three weeks on wine and how it relates to just a transferring of an old way of doing things into a new way of doing things. And I encouraged you to buy the book, uh, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Uh, have any of you gotten it yet? Have you read it? Oh, well, you, you can read it in the evening. It's, it's real small. Now I'm going to suggest you buy another one that I've been reading. It's also a real small book, but uh, it is fantastic. And it's called uh, Surprise the World. Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And I think I gave one to our uh, ministry leaders here uh, this past Sunday. Um, but you'll, I've just read a couple chapters. I mean, I've glanced through it all, but... Uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, the autopsy of the deceased church. There's so much in these little books that these guys just drop so much. And so I wanted to take those kind of books and, and teach out of them for the, for the next little bit. And so what I'm going to give you the next couple weeks, maybe the next three, is how we can effectively change the world. Because... I told you a couple weeks ago after Pastor Ted ministered, there is no success without a successor. Yeah. So a church can't be a success if there's no one to take over after some of us are gone. Um, and I know Pastor Ted's been talking about his age over the last little bit. And he and I were talking today, his, he kept talking about uh, when his uh, age group brought in Maranatha, praise and worship. I said, well, then we come along my age just... Uh, in our age difference and, and saw the vineyard movement and vineyard music come in and how that was like the Mar so a lot of the Maranatha people was like I don't know about this new stuff you know <laughs> and it, it's funny to watch these things but today I want to get down to some stuff where the rubber meets the road and how to effectively do some things and I hope I can get you to look at evangelism differently over the next couple weeks do you want a third book that's a great read it's called, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, I'll tell you his name next week, but the book is called Evangelism Without Additives. Evangelism Without Additives. Uh, fantastic book, I've read it, I don't know, three or four times probably. Um, you won't agree with everything in it, but you don't have to, to take good stuff out of it. There's still good stuff in there. Uh, so those are some good books uh, that... If we want to see harvest be what it's supposed to be, I think we can take a lot from those. Um, and I, I was telling Pastor Ted a couple weeks ago, the reason I want to teach the things that he's teaching now, has been teaching, and in this series, is I want to teach it while the church is pretty healthy. I don't want to wait until we're going down, Ted, I mean, uh, Kevin, and try to revive something. Let's say we're healthy now, how do we continue in health? And how do we continue growing? Uh, because we've reached a, a place where we wanted to be. Uh, Pastor Ted and I started praying about a year or so back about uh, attendance in the church and things like that. So we've hit that mark. And actually we're a little bit above that mark now. So it's time to go farther. And uh, what, what's that, Bob? Jim Henderson. Jim Henderson. That's the name of... Uh, Evangelism without additives, and it looks like a, a water bottle on the front of the, on the cover. Um, so let me start off tonight asking you some questions. 
What if we started describing ourselves not as a church, but as a community of faith? I, I know. You don't call it church. What if we started calling ourselves the way? Because, you know, when, when, when the disciples first started following Jesus, that's what they called them. They didn't even call us. They called them Christians to make fun of them. That was a derogatory thing. Uh, they were known as the way. What if we started, we got real brave like we learned about for the last eight or ten weeks, twelve, and we started calling ourselves the kingdom of God? What if we were a community of faith that remained, and here's a, here's a curse word in a lot of churches, Galen. What if we were a church that remained relevant to the culture that's around us? Well, this whole being relevant and all this stuff, God is always relevant. Just because we are relevant to culture doesn't mean our message changes. It may look like, as Pastor Ted's been, been preaching the last three weeks, it may look like a different type, style of worship, a different style of church, and a different style of thing, but it, we can remain relevant while the message stays the same. And when we start talking about, well, we need to be relevant, people start freaking out because they think relevant means compromise. Relevant doesn't mean compromise. Relevant means you're able to reach a culture and a place where you, where you are. Uh, let me ask you some more. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. What if rather than getting people saved from hell, we get them realized that they're saved to God Amen. and they're saved to a relationship? We've always tried to use the negative to get people to come into the house. What if we changed the bait? If you've been fishing very often, Linda, you know if you're not catching it on what you're using, it might be time to change bait. What if we, try, we quit trying to get people saved from hell and we start getting them to realize that they have been saved unto God and into a right relationship with God and that they just have to come in and enjoy the relationship and then start building relationship with other people. This is a church that looks different. This is a church that acts different. This is a church that sounds different. And there's nothing wrong with it. What if, as a community of faith, we would maintain and develop community for those outside our four walls? Where church is just something that we do, but we, it's one thing that we do. See, what we've done is we've made our services, <laughs> we've made our services the star. Well, Jesus is the star. Our services on Sunday, on Wednesday, and any, those are just things that we do. They're not the crowning achievement of our church. And so what if we, uh, as a community of faith, developed a place for people outside our four walls to come into and have community? Yeah. Oh, What if as a community of faith we'd strive to enable powerful new forms of a socialized organization and empower people to take their calling mm -hmm. and run with it. Amen. Not that there's just one or two people have a calling, but that everyone finds themselves as a minister of the gospel yeah. and ministers it different. Folks, if, if you are brave enough to get that book, Surprise the World, you're going to find out evangelism does not happen in here on Sunday mornings. That is, not, that is not what evangelism is. 
And that's what we're talking about. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Is if we want to be an evangelistic, that's what people say, well, we're an evangelistic church. If we want to be an evangelistic church, then it's going to happen, evangelism is going to happen out there, not in here. If we're going to be an evangelistic church, you're going to quit trying to say, well, come to my church and find Jesus. Come to my No, we're going to go to where people are in the middle of where they are, in the mess of what they are, and say, let me show you Jesus. <laughs> let me be Jesus to you. So what if that was us? Now, before we can do this, I, if, if I could title tonight, and I'm using this week and next week, uh, from, I'm, I'm, I'm ripping, I'm, I'm blatantly stealing Tom Rainer's titles out of his book. I'm not preaching his chapters, but I am stealing his titles. In his book, The Autopsy of a Deceased Church, one of the chapters is why a church, churches die is they refuse to look like the community. They refuse to look like the community. And if you wanted a subtitle of that, of my own words, it's called the reflection of our church. Let me read you some statistics. This is going to be different. How many of you know what the population of Cambridge is? 10,289. Average age. Now, again, if a church is dying because it refuses to look like the community. Average age in, in, in Cambridge. Huh? 35. Yes. Citydata.com. Does that look like our church? Well, if it don't look like our church, guess what? We've got work to do. We can't just sit back and say, oh, everything's good. We're coasting along right now. But if we, I've had people say it. I don't want those old, a bunch of young millennials in here or whatever. I do. <laughs> you know, the average age in Cambridge is 35. Average household income, you may want to guess, 34. 32% of Cambridge is living below poverty line. 32% of Cambridge is living below the poverty line. Does our church look like this? Now, we've got Harvest House that we meet a lot of this, but it's time to create Harvest House and have the sharing Jesus. Uh, and I don't mean we're beating people to death with a cross either. I'll cover that a little bit more in a few weeks. Uh, average uh, race is white. The, uh, we are, Cambridge is 91% white and people of, of, of color, and that's every other because I just, I wasn't gonna go through them all individually is 9%. Now, let's go to Guernsey County. Now remember, I'm, talk, I'm starting on evangelism here. If we're going to be a healthy church, we're going to be at the church of evangelism. Of getting people into the kingdom of God. We know what God's already done. We know how God's already saved them. How do we get them to realize that? And it's not going to be us standing up here and beating them to death. That hasn't worked. That's why the Christian church is one of the fastest declining religions. But it doesn't mean that harvest has to be. Now, Guernsey County, average population, not average, but the population is 39,224. Average age, 43. Uh, average income is 47,571. 94% of it's white, and 6% of it's 
other races, most churches aren't really connected to their community even though they say they are. Or their church would look like this. And I'm not saying, well, we have to cater to this. We don't cater to anything. But we realize that I'm in my 50s. Okay? I've got a few years on Rachel. There's a time coming when I'm not going to be doing this anymore. And there's going to be somebody else that has to step up. And there's somebody else that's going to have to come along. And we will not be success if we don't have successors. And it's time that we win the world and not just try to win our friends and family. I'll try that again over here. We're going to have to win the world and not just our friends and family. Because most of the time when we, when, when we show these awesome videos that Pastor Ted finds on Sundays about inviting people, we automatically think of our friends and our family we can invite. Because we love them. They are the biggest thing in our hearts. But they're not the only people in God's heart. And I'll be honest with you, most of the time, you will, a stranger will speak to somebody in your family and make a bigger impact than you ever will. If not, if you don't believe me, you've never had a kid. When somebody, some random adult says something to it and it becomes a light bulb over their head and they go, would you believe that? I've been saying that for 15 years. <laughs> so we need to take on the heart of other people. If we're going to be healthy... And, and, and even though we say we're part of the community, are we? We're doing, folks, and the reason why I'm preaching this now is we're doing good. If you look around here on Sunday mornings, we're getting younger. We're getting, <laughs> thank God, right? But now what it's going to take is like Pastor Ted's been talking about is for those who are older to start bringing them up and teaching them and putting the word in them because they, for the most part, don't understand. And they say, um, we, that, and I hear this cry all the time, God do something in this city. One of the biggest statements that's ever been made to me was made to me about two and a half years ago. And it has totally reformed what I think about trying to do things at church. We had just started, Harvest House has been open now, what, four years? We had just started Harvest House. And it hadn't taken off like it is right now. But somebody made the statement to me, said, if your church closed today, would your community even know it? We can say that today because we've done some very intentional things. And we're getting ready to do more intentional things. And sometimes, hang on, because intentional things come with a price tag. So don't be afraid when you hear the church is spending $30,000 on something. Know that we're thinking about God's heart overall. I'm telling you, folks, this is exciting to me. You said, you haven't even read scripture yet. I know. But would our community know it? And, and, and now I've, I went back and they said it again. And I thought, yep, our community would miss us if we were gone. Yeah. And so if we don't continue, and I'm going to read some quotes before we ever get into scripture today. Um, but if we don't understand the people around us and where they live, can we continue state being a healthy church? 
like we are right now. A man by the name of John O'Keefe, he wrote this. He said, over the past 150 years, oh, this is on the YouVersion app. If you want to go there, you can save these. Um, he said, over the past 150 years, the term community for the modern church has meant people in the church. The idea of community should ever extend beyond the doors of the church is simply unbelievable. And that's really true. That's what, for most churches, that's what they think. He goes on and says, it's amazing that most modern churches have no idea and no desire to reach beyond themselves. In a postmodern emerging world, the church must become the center of the community. Now imagine that, that we are the center of what's happening in Cambridge. This is our goal. This is healthy church. He says, he says in a postmodern emerging world, the church must become the center of the community. It must go beyond its walls and become the place all people look when looking for any activities. We have 20 acres of land here. We should be able to do some things on that. I've got coaches in here. Why, you know, I was thinking about this this week. I thought, man, if, why, what if we started a volleyball camp? So how do you do that? I got a daughter that played college volleyball. I coached her up until she went. We, there's something else. The church, I love what John says here. He says the church should become the center of the community for all activities for all people. Not just let's have a church leak. Try that over here. Not just let's have a church leak where we can just play other churches. No, how about we play heathen and we get them all in and we get everybody in. Uh, he goes on to say the modern idea of one hour on Sunday is not going to work from this point on. Thank God. So what does that mean? That means we've got something going all the time. That means a healthy church should have something going all the time. We have Wednesday. Uh, we have two things on Wednesday. I'm getting ready to start something by the fall that's going to add to another night. You say, well, I can't be at everything. Nobody's asking you to be at everything. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have everything going. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Because sometimes you can't be at everything. There are things that's happened in my life. I couldn't be at every uh, loving marriage class. But I've got enough faith in the people who's teaching it that it can go on. And it can continue that I don't have to be here for them to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But that's why we're raising up people who will say, I'll take this. I don't have to be at every men's breakfast. Most of the time I try, when we come into men's breakfast, I try not to say too much because I want them to say it. Yeah. Why? Because it takes more than one person. For far too long we've depended on pastors to do everything. And I cannot. But you can. And I want to encourage people to have a ministry, to have a thing to do. And, it, you know, did I even hesitate when you come to me and said, I want to do a, a marriage class? You know why? If it failed, we'd find out that didn't work. We'll do something else next time. But let's try it. Let's see what happens. 
because we want to be. And our thing is, we should be inviting other people outside than the church to be here. Because it's, church, it's more than just church people that have marital problems. And you're crazy if you don't think church people have marital problems. <laughs> you have never been a pastor if you think that. Amen? Amen. Go to Philippians. Here we are. We're finally at Scripture. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to read out of the message. You know why? Because I can. <laughs> the mess, and I know it's a paraphrase. Don't care. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Mm. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. This is what church was designed to be. It was designed not to make stars. Not to be cults of personality. I, had to, I was pastoring a church one time, and I was taking a shower, getting ready for a midweek service. And the Holy Spirit, he, I told you before, he likes to talk to me in the shower. Everybody's got their own place, and that's because he knows I can't get away. I can't get sidetracked, and I can't get distracted there. And he said, what if you didn't, what if you didn't have your keys to open the church tonight? Would anybody else care enough I immediately Dean find the church keys she said why I know where they're at no go find the church keys <laughs> and so she ran through the house and went right to where they were they weren't there we tore our house up Kevin looking for these church keys and couldn't find them I'm like oh no oh man so what do we do we go to church Bob when we get to church, here we've got everybody standing outside. And nobody else had a key. Now there's other people who had keys. But see what had happened, it had become a cult of personality. He done everything. She did everything. Let's leave it on them. They'll, make, they'll, they'll take care of us. And every, what happened is everybody became a consumer, but few became contributors. And they said, well, we'll have church on the parking lot. I said, no, we won't. They said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I'm going to go find somewhere that's in church tonight. <laughs> and this kid, he said, well, can I go with you? Because his mom and dad went to a different church, but they let him come to mine. And so when he, all of a sudden his church, his mom and dad's church was getting up to get started. And here we walk, he walks in with his pastor and pastor's wife. I'm like, what are you doing here? But you see, what it will have is everyone had be just said, Brenton Deal, handle it. It can never be that way if we want to be healthy. Everyone has to take ownership. You know, there are some churches that don't have membership. I, I, I found the church here uh, that I'm associated with, they changed their membership, Galen, to ownership classes. 
They don't have membership, they have ownership. They don't have members meetings, they have owners meetings. <laughs> because if we don't take ownership, we can't be healthy. And what we need to do is take all, we, we, between all of us that, uh, that counted Sunday, if all of our regulars would have been here on Sunday, we would have had about 140 people here. So our goal is to get 140 people so bought in to the heart of Jesus, to the heart of Cambridge, to the heart of Guernsey County, to the heart of Noble County, to the heart of Muskegon County, all our whole areas that we reach to say we want the all. And we will put ourselves to the side. Like, like he says, we're going to lay ourselves down. We're going to submit ourselves to a vision. We're going to lay it all down and we're going to go get our communities. We're going to go get our families. We're going to go get our friends. I want to go after your children. You go after mine. And when we do this, we can be healthy. Are, are y'all okay? I know it's not my normal messages. But I'm telling you, we can, we can make a difference if we really want to. Go to Luke chapter 14. I, he said, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Don't try to get your own way. Be obsessed with helping others get ahead. Luke chapter 14, verse 10. Luke chapter 14, verse 10. <coughs> and again, I'm reading out of the message. He says, when you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes... He may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will give, you, that will give the dinner guest something to talk about. <laughs> he says, what I'm saying is if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, the greatest evangelistic tool you have is you. It's not this bright, bubbly personality because not everybody likes that. It's just be you. Talk to people as you. Don't try to put on, we use so many crazy phrases in the church that most people don't understand. Does anybody know what transubstantiation is? See? That's, that's a Catholic term where the body and the blood, our communion elements, they believe, actually becomes the actual body and the actual blood of Christ when you take it it becomes actual flesh and actual blood. But that term gets used. Well, you don't know what that means. And we, let's, let's talk some more words. Atonement. We use, it's like learning a new language to come into the church. So when people come into the church and we're using all this new language, they don't, we call it speaking Christianese. The greatest evangelistic tool you have is you. You, no matter what accent you got, Yours ain't as cool as mine. All right, I'm just going to tell you all that right now. I don't care how cool you think you are. <laughs> no, it, it's just you. It's being real. Not trying to be. <clears throat> I had a friend who was a very highly trained theological seminary graduate. When he would, he would be asked to pray at a ball game. And when he stepped out on the middle of that court, Galen, he turned into a whole different person. He was laughing. He was a jokester. 
I mean, he was a he would he would he would step out on the court. Oh, Father, come on now. They know you don't walk around like that. They've been looking in your windows at night. They've seen you. They know that's not who you are. So if you really want to show them what God can do, just be you. Just be you. Let's keep on these verses. Are you getting anything out of this? I'm telling you, I, I, want, I want Cambridge. I want New Concord. I want Caldwell. I want them. Not only do I want them, I believe we're promised them. I had this for later, but I want to share it with you now. Holy Spirit said this to me one time. He says, if you don't love a city, I can't give you the city. Because I can't entrust you with something I love. If I know it, you won't love it as much as I do. So we got to develop a love for people. Develop a love for those who don't look like us, who don't sound like us. Who walk around doing things that we would never do. Okay, so you would never do it. Does that mean you can never touch them? Come on. Come on. We have to be the us that says, hey man, I'm just, I'm just me. Sometimes, listen, I'm a, I'm a person of too much information sometimes. They used to tell me that all the time. Man, you can't give that much information about yourself away. Why? It's who I am. It's what I am. It's why I am the way I am. All right, let's get back on this. What verse we live off on? Anyhow, we'll jump back in there. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. Then he turned to the host. Next time you put on a dinner, get this church. Next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors. <laughs> the kind of people who will return the favor. That's where we are going. They can return a favor. We'll fill, we'll fill the church with enough rich people that the church will always be taken care of. I told a church one time and then they didn't like me much anymore. I said, what if you filled your church with people who could only give a dollar and that was a sacrifice to them? Would it be enough? Well, no. I'm like, then your vision is too small. Because if you added a thousand people, there's a thousand dollars. You can do something with that. What if you had a 10,000 person church and they only could give a dollar? Come on, folks. We have put too much. He says, don't just invite your friends. Don't just invite your family. Don't invite your rich neighbors who can return the favor. Shoot. <laughs> The kind of people who return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out. Invite some people who never get invited out. If you pick up the book that I told you about, Surprise the World, he does what's called a bless system that he encourages every church to do. Uh, it's B, be a friend. You know what the E stands for in that? eat take somebody out to dinner who never gets to go out take somebody you're, 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 don't just invite your neighbors to church go get to know them better than just church we keep offering them this thing like this is the all end all be all when you carry inside of you the be all end all yeah. 
You carry that hope inside of you. They need your testimony. They don't need my preaching. They need to hear from you. They don't know me. I tell you what, introduce them to Jesus. Walk them into the reality of salvation. Bring them here and we'll teach them how to grow. But evangelism shouldn't happen in here. And I know if there's evangelists watching, you're twitching right now. Some people are called into the office of an evangelist. Not everybody is called into that office. But we're all called to be friends. And we're all called to love people. And we're all called to put ourselves aside. And I love what he says here. Invite someone out who doesn't usually get invited out. Let me find myself. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. And you'll be and experience a blessing. He said, you want to be a blessing? Do you want to experience a blessing? Go to someone who never gets invited. Who never, who you would never, ever thought you'd be caught dead with. You all will remember the story when I first came here. Uh, there's a local satanic church. And I don't know if it's still open. I don't know if it's still running or whatever. One of the first things I did was email the leader of it and ask him out to lunch. I said, I'm not trying to convert you. I said, no religious talk, just two men getting to know each other. I never heard back from him. (laughs) But I did. And you know what I'd have done when we went? I'd have bought his lunch. And we'd have had a conversation. And we'd have probably never come to common ground that day. But that wasn't the only day I was going to meet with him. I had a plan. Folks, we have quit, quit being afraid of people. You are the greatest evangelistic tool that has ever been put on the planet because it, the world needs your testimony. The world needs you. And if we're going to be a healthy church, we're going to be a church that, that will bring in the people that we talked about earlier. And the only way we can do that is by being Jesus to them. Let's keep going. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks, you'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. That triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. And Jesus followed up and said, yes, for there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. And when the time for dinner had come, he sent out his servants and invited guests saying, come on in, the food's on the table. And they began to beg off one after the other, making excuses. Just got an email. That's what you heard of somebody saying, I need help for my family. Right now, the greatest evangelistic tool we can be is just be us. Lord, God. And know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sickle into on them. <laughs> and they began to beg off one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and need to look it over, send my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out, send my regrets. 
And yet another said, I just got married and need to get home to my wife. And the servant went back and told the master what had happened and he was outraged and told the servant quickly, get out into the city streets and the alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and the homeless and the wretched, you can lay your hands on and bring them here. That's our command. Not our friends, not our family, the misfits, the homeless, those who know we can look at them and say, man, I can tell you're hurting and I have got the answer. Let me take you to dinner. Let me take you to lunch. And then when they get comfortable with you, then bring them on in here. Walk them through the reality of salvation and say, I know this is healthy. If we want to say we're going to be a healthy church, this is the kind of church we're going to be. That when somebody walks in here and they've got tattoos from their top of their head to the, their finger, we're not looking at them going, he looks rough. I told you, when my wife married me, people said, I can't believe you married him, he's evil. You wouldn't know it by looking at me. So you can't always judge that book yeah. by that cover. And you bring them, the ones who don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't smell like you. <laughs> they put things inside their body that you would never do. They come smelling like yesterday's alcohol. And we say, come here, I'm just going to love all over you. And not only, do the, not only do we bring them in, then we take them out. And we intentionally spend time with these people. And we intentionally become friends with these people. Just being the greatest evangelistic tool you got is you. In all your faults, in all your failings. <laughs> okay. He said, everybody, you can lay your hands on them, bring them here. Then the servant reported back, said, Master, I did what you commanded. There's still room. <laughs> and the master said, go into the country roads. Wherever you can find them, drag them in. I want my house full. Great. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner. See, that was, see what, who he invited was the people he already knew. People who should have been there, those believers. And he said, fine, they got theirs. Now let's go get everybody else. So how are we going to do this? First way we're going to do this is we're going to deal with people the way that God deals with people. Well, how does God deal with people? Well, I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And I'm reading out the message again. King James says something like, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I love how the message puts it, Jody. It says, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him whatsoever. While we were of no use whatever to him. That's what he did for me. I was of no use. 
I took a man, this is way back in the day when we, when we still went out knocking on doors. We rolled up to this person's house and his, oh no, I'm not going to give his name. Um, he said, oh, we don't want them. What? Well, they're drunks and alcohol, they're alcoholics and, and drug addicts. And I said, get out of my car and go knock on a door. So we don't want them. The church has done it to them. Well, what will happen? What will happen if those alternative people come in here and they're still living their lifestyle? You know what will happen? God will still show up. Because the presence of sin never caused the presence of God to back down from anything. Mm. Well, what will happen if they can't stay awake because they're on the nods? Their, their spirit's still awake. We'll just keep speaking to their spirit. Well, what will happen if they get stains all over our carpet? We'll rip it up and put more down. We'll patch it together with bits and pieces of scrap we find around the road somewhere. When is it that they are going to matter more than the things that we want? Putting yourself aside. And he said, go get the homeless. Go get everybody. And how does God deal with them? He put his love on the line when there were no use to him. Well, I've, got, I've had people in my churches before say that, Kevin. Oh, I ain't got no use for them. If you don't understand that, you're not from West Virginia. <laughs> I ain't got no use for them. But he does. He wants them. He wants them all. Somebody said to me one time, Bob, well, do we want that kind of person here if that's what they get upset about? Yes. Yes, we do. We want that kind of person. Well, what if they get offended? I still want them. What if they talk bad about me, Phyllis? I still want them. I got tougher skin than that. God wants them. And if God wants them, I want them. And if he loved them so much that he put his love on the line when they're no use to him, then I've got to love them so much that I'll put everything on the line. Somebody asked me one time, we were doing a Bible school. And they said, well, what if they wanted to do a a beach thing, what would you do? I said, listen, if it's up to me, we'll put plastic down, we'll fill the whole sanctuary with sand. We'll create a beach if we have to. Whatever it takes. Why do you think Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win a couple? He said, I will be whatever they need me to be. He, I'm not putting on airs, I'm not putting on anything, I'm just going to be me. Listen, we're talking about healthy church. Then healthy church has to have active evangelism. And active evangelism is not dragging people into this building so that I can preach to them when I'm trying to teach believers how to just get through life themselves. <laughs> so let's become evangelists. Not big... And I'm not talking about standing on the side of the road with signs and bullhorns either. That's ridiculous. Nobody hears you. Nobody pays attention to you. Yes, I said it. But man, you know what they do pay attention to, Rachel? Love. What did the woman at the well respond to? 
I got water that you'll never thirst. He asked me of a drink, but then he said he'd give me one where I would never be thirsty again. She responded to love. And if we're going to be healthy, we're going to be, well, you all just accept anything over there. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I will take it. If I can get them here and I can love on them, I'll take it. I don't care who they are. And I'm not embarrassed about it. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> so what, how did God love the world? He put his love on the line. He put his love when they were of no use to him. Do you all remember the story, God, uh, the story, the song Chris Tomlin put out, God of the City? You're the God of the City? Okay. Well, Chris Tomlin didn't write that. That come from a band named Blue Tree. They were on a missions trip in Thailand. They were in a city that it's the largest way of making money was the sex industry. In this city, the, the, one of the writers said that there were 30,000 female prostitutes over the age of 18. That's not counting the children, the boys, the girls, or the men prostitutes. They got tired of just singing in churches and, and, and little song groups and so they went and asked a bar owner if they could play in the bar. The bar was called the Climax Bar. Tells you what the city. It was basically a brothel. And he told him, he said, yeah, you can play, but you gotta bring in 30 people who only drink Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola was three times more expensive than any alcohol there. So they were basically paying to play. They sang every song they knew to sing because they were only there for two hours. And they finally looked at him and said, okay, what do we do now? Said, just start playing. God will give us something. And in that dark, 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 dark place, filled with child prostitution, men, women prostitution. They sang in a bar, you're the Lord of this place. Amen. You're the king of these people. You're the God of this city. Greater things are yet to come. <laughs> Greater things will still be done. And they begin to prophesy over a city. If you don't love a city, he can't give you a city because he can't trust you with something that he gave his life for. But if we'll love it, if it becomes the most important thing that we have ever looked at, if it becomes a precious, precious jewel that he was willing to die for, we should be willing to lay down our lives for it. And then we can call ourselves healthy because there is no success without successors. So how do we get to, how do we get this? How do we get there? <laughs> it's not gonna be, I, I, Kevin likes to buy cars. Do you like to buy cars off a car lot? Why? You don't trust them. 
You know what I don't like? Can't stand pressure. <laughs> I can't stand going on a car. I sold cars. Did I ever tell you all this? I sold cars for a little bit. I did on a, on a and and the 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 competitiveness. They sent me out for a drug screen. I never went back. <laughs> I hate doing that mess because I didn't want to pressure people. Why do we think that the car lot approach works for the church? Pressure, 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 pressure. Back off, leave me alone. How about I just get to know you? How about we just go to lunch? I know I've got evangelistic people going crazy right now. How about I just spend some time with you and get to know what's hurt you? Know what hurts you've gone through and lived through and how I can help. Because I, I got the answer. I got the answer for what ails you. It's not going to be high pressure sales, folks. One study that I found says that the church has spent billions of dollars on evangelism programs and has shown little growth. And now this is an old study. Said At that time it said the population has grown by 10.6% and the church only by 4.6%. We're not keeping up with the population. Then if, we, if it's not working, it's time to change bait. It's time to be something. Listen, folks, let me tell you how bad high pressure doesn't work. I had a lady come to our church one time. And I asked her, well, what brought you here? I do that for everybody. Anybody I see new. When Vicky was new here a few weeks ago, I said, well, what brought you by here? Because I want to know how they got there. This lady actually told, I think Dee was standing beside me. She said, well, I came here because I didn't want one of you all come to my house. Guess what I told people going to houses from that point on? Don't go. They would rather come to your church than have you go knock on their door. What, if, what would happen if we just showed them we loved them? Not wanting anything out of them whatsoever. Why do you think Harvest House does as good as it's doing? There's no high pressure sales. But don't tell me for one moment that we're not making a difference in somebody's life. Don't tell me for one moment that they don't know God loves them because they sit and wonder, saying, I can't believe a church is doing this, when they try to find anything to give you a little bit of something, and we say, we want nothing from you. Imagine if the whole church treated evangelism that way. We want nothing from you. We just want to love on you. And then when they finally see my life, they say, I want what you got. Go to Matthew chapter 9. I've just got a little more, folks. Well, this is, the way, this is a joke between Bob and I all the time. Well, that's the way we've always done it. You know? Okay, it's the way we've always done it for the last 60 years. Is it working? Is it working? Where did I say to go? Matthew 9, verse 10. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. 
That's something good when they come and join you. Do you hear me? What kind of people came? Disreputable. They came and joined them. They didn't go after them. Imagine you love somebody so much that they just want to be around you. Healthy church. And when the Pharisees, the religious folk, there's always going to be religious folk. Even here. (laughs) And, And when the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus. Jesus' followers, what kind of example is this that your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? And Jesus overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthier the sick? Go figure out what the scripture means. I am after mercy, not religion. I am here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. He's wanting mercy, grace, not religion. We have done great at offering the world religion. I think it's time we offer them what works. Jesus loved them so much that they would come and eat with him. Uh, When's the last time somebody was so comfortable with you that they just came? You can do this. We're going to be healthy. We can do this. This is doable. It's been my life's mission. Matthew 11, 11, not 11. 11 is not a scripture. That's something you put in brick. (laughs) Matthew 11, verse 16. But to what shall I liken this generation? What shall I say about this generation? It is like children sitting in the market, calling to their friends, saying, we played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. All we wanted was a connection. What's this generation saying? We're, we're, we're doing anything, but you're not responding. We're trying everything. We're crying out with everything we've got. We don't know what works, but you're not responding to anything we cry out with. You sit back in your sealed houses and your pretty buildings and you expect me to come, but when I call, you're not there. He said, we played a flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, a funeral song to you and you didn't mourn. What shall I say about this generation? They're singing a funeral song and we're not mourning. Hmm. I want us to look at the world different because he's given it to us. For John came neither eating. Now listen, Jesus talking here. For John came neither eating or drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking. And they say, here he is. Now this is what they said. The religious people said this about Jesus. Here's a gluttonous man, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now remember a few weeks ago, you'll understand the last part of this verse. Pastor Ted done a great job talking about wisdom. 
And even though it called, it a, called wisdom a her, we know that wisdom in Proverbs was Jesus. Now you can understand this last part of this verse. But wisdom is justified in her children. She's justified when he says, but look what I've got. Look what I've produced. Look, he said, we, we did everything and you didn't respond. And John came. He didn't eat or drink. And they said he had a demon in him. Here comes Jesus drinking and eating. And you call him a, a, a drunk and a glutton. Religious people are never going to get this. Religion can't understand this because it comes to the point where I lay down everything I thought and I say, I'm going to be what you need me to be in this place. And I'm not telling you to go out and get drunk and all that. Don't, don't get silly. I had a family member one time say to another family member of mine, they invited him to church. And that other family member said, I tell you what, I'll go to church with you. You go to the bar with me tonight. And she said, okay. He went, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait a minute. Because he knew he was going to have to go to church. He made the deal. But the thing about it was, she was willing. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would be willing to do that. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe it's not safe for you to do that. But maybe it won't bother you at all. But what if somebody sees me? When are we going to worry about what the Pharisees think when they see us? And we're, but we're, wisdom is, is justified in the children she produced. When are we going to quit worrying about what the Pharisees think about us and say, I am going to win them because he loved them so much to die for. I will give myself completely away for those who are com no use to me, whatever. Amen. See, then I'm walking like Jesus. Why don't we follow the greatest example? He's the greatest example. We look at those verses and we try to just blow them over. And I believe that that's what he's saying. He has, that somebody's going to have to give account for that generation. What shall I liken to this generation? In other words, what account can I give for this? And I ask us today, what account can we give for this generation? You say, but I can't connect to these kids. Okay, empower someone younger to connect to them. And then when they bring them in, don't look and say, oh, what have you dragged in? Like an old stray cat. No, we say, ha, ha come on, I want to love you. I want to teach you. I want to show you the good things God, God has got in store for you. And we're going to see that you make it. They've been asking for relationship all this time. They crave relationship. And we've offered them religion. Can I say it again? They're craving relationship. And we're offering religion. Luke chapter 19. I got a scripture and a quote for you and then we'll go home. And I hope you cry all night long. I hope God puts us on our face. And we repent. Because repentance is for the church. Repentance is not for the unbeliever. It's not. They have to become a new creature in Christ. We have to change our minds. Uh, 
don't get me in trouble. Ted will, Ted will answer all emails. Send them to Ted at hcfcambridge.com. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho, and there was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus, the head tax man, and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus. He wanted desperately. I'm sorry. I'm convinced that we say, well, it's getting worse and worse and worse. It's getting worse because they want so desperately. If your God is real, show him to me. Because so far all I've ever seen is judgment and condemnation. He wanted desperately to see Jesus. But the crowd was in his way. And he was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus. You all know this story. See Jesus when he came by, verse 5. And when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day. Jesus invited himself in. All, all Zacchaeus wanted to do was see him. Jesus invited himself in. Invite Jesus into your heart. He'll, do, he'll invite himself in if we can just show them he's coming. Remember, Revelation put it so beautifully. Behold, I stand at the door. He's never quit knocking. <laughs> Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. And everyone, now listen, listen, this is church. And everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. I love the message. What business does he have cozying up to this crook? Who cares what the Pharisees have to say anymore? How, they'll just accept anybody over there. You're right, we will. Somebody said it to me today, and we'll love the hell out of them. I know it makes some people nervous. What? Why? Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? And look, at, look what happens though. Zacchaeus was standing there hearing everybody else say what they... You don't think they're not standing around hearing everything we have to say about them? You don't think they're not sitting in the booth behind you at Denny's? At Ruby Two, At Taco Bell? Hearing you in your whispered tones with your condemnation and your disgust. And Zacchaeus stood there hearing this. A little stunned, he stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half of my income to the poor. If I'm caught cheating, I pay Four times the damages because all the religious knew about him was what everybody else had said. They didn't know that he was trying his best to follow the attributes of God the best he knew how. (laughs) 
Verse 9. He stood there and stunned and said, verse 9, and Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. Jesus declared a new destiny on him. What if a generation is waiting for us to declare a new destiny over their life? What if they're waiting for someone who looks like Jesus, talks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, looks them right in the eye and say, today is your lucky day for I will declare a new destiny over your life. I will declare a new destination for your life. I will declare a new hope for your life. I will declare we are that Jesus standing in front of a world that is saying, somebody show me him. Somebody show me what he looks like. He already died for the hard part's already been done. The forgiveness of their sins has already been done. <laughs> They've just not, you know, the word says that we should, uh, that the enemy is the one who blinds the minds of them to salvation. That's what's blinded. For a man, as a man thinketh, so is he. Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. In the book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, chapter 4, the church that refused to look like the community, Tom Rayner said this, people in the community did not feel welcome in the church. This is why a church dies. People in the community do not feel welcome. Yeah, but they're standing out in front of the door smoking. Who cares? Yeah, but, 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 this is a holy place. No, this is a building. We close today, they can turn it into a bar tomorrow. Who cares? This ain't a, this is, this is not holy. This is sheetrock and brick. Well, yeah, but if they smell like that, it's going to come in here and smell like a bar. Well, that's where they're comfortable, Galen. Because God says, take the city. And before we can take them, we've got to love them. And before we can love them, we've got to get in with them. Because they're waiting for somebody to show them Jesus. Well, Jesus wouldn't be around people like that. Mm, you need to read your scriptures about what Jesus, the type of people Jesus was around. Okay. Those in the church were more concerned about protecting the way they did church than reaching the residents of the community. And that's why a church died. That book is based on 14 churches that he dealt with and the common factors in them all. He said they were more concerned about the way they did church than winning the residents of the city. Not here. I'm putting a vision out before you. Well, you should do this on a Sunday morning. Nope. This is yours. This is yours. You watching? This is yours. You've made an effort to watch. You made an effort to be here. So it's our job. Because once you hear it, you're responsible for it. And it's scripture. 
And if you can tell me I told you something tonight that wasn't scripture, we'll have a long conversation. But don't go talking and gossiping about me. Just come to me. Amen? I am looking. Easter's two weeks away. Let's fill it up. Let's fill it up with drugs. Fill it up with alcoholics. Fill it up with every lifestyle you can imagine and ones you don't want to imagine. Let's fill it up because he loved them enough when they were no use to him. Phyllis, I was no use to him, but he still put his love on the line for me. So what in the world are we willing to do? This is a sign of a healthy church. And 10 years from now, Monica will have to stand up here and preach this. <laughs> Elizabeth will have to be the ones getting things in order. Because her mom won't want to do everything anymore. But man, we got to show them it's worth it. Hey, I love you guys. And I know this sounds harsh, but it's really not. It's an exhortation to love. Something that I know this church can do very well. But we can be better. Father, bless us. Help us. We repent. We change our mind. Give us the city. Give us a town. Give us a nation. <laughs> Let your love pour out of this place that it smothers New Concord. Cambridge, Caldwell, and everywhere in between. That it reaches all the way down into Marietta and all the way over to Columbus. Let your glory and your love flow out of here that if they know anything about harvest, they'll know that this is the place they can be loved. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.